Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We know about the Democrats and Republicans and even some of the third-party candidates who will be competing for statewide offices here in Michigan in November. But there's just one name on the statewide partisan ballot that will have no party affiliation. That person is Chris Gravelin, an independent who is competing to become the state's attorney general. He almost didn't make the ballot. He fell well short of collecting the necessary signatures, but a federal judge said Michigan's signature requirement is arbitrary and overburdensome, and he ordered Gravelin onto the ballot. So what would Gravelin do if he won the November election? That's where we start the conversation today, and I want to welcome Chris Gravelin, an independent candidate for attorney general to Detroit Today. Um, so let's start with this. Uh, why enter this race as an independent? That's a very unusual thing to do. It seems like it makes your chances of winning maybe lower than if you were affiliated with one party or another. Uh, why did you choose this? Well, the reason I chose this is over the last, I would say, decade, I have found myself watching the two parties drift further and further apart from each other. And I think the energy in both parties keeps going further to the left and further to the right which has left myself and I believe a good segment of the population without a party somewhere in the middle there Mm -hmm. as political moderates, whether it's you're fiscally conservative or socially conservative or fiscally liberal or uh, socially liberal. I think a lot of people feel disenfranchised by the two parties that as this drift keeps going further and further apart, there's a lot of people in the middle. I think that drift apart has also led to an increased rudeness, crassness in our political dialogue. I think anyone who's watched the last two weeks up in Congress Mm -hmm. will tell you that. And so what I have found is I don't want to jump into one of the parties simply because then I think you will be expected to go where some of those arguments are and to be as rude and as (laughs) condescending uh, to the other side as you can possibly be. And I'm unwilling to do that. I think many of the solutions are often found in the middle. I think Aristotle said uh, virtue is found in the mean. And I think many times a lot of the solutions to our problems are found in the middle. And it's through dialogue and not through yelling at each other that uh, we arrive at those. And so that's why I decided to run as an independent. And and talk about uh, the background that you have that you think uh, makes you a good candidate, a qualified candidate to be the state's attorney general. Sure. I've been an attorney for uh, close to 20 years now. I started off my career with seven years in the U.S. Army. Uh, I was a judge advocate, a lawyer in the Army. Uh, During my tenure in the Army, I prosecuted the Abu Ghraib prison abuse cases. So I've handled very large, politically sensitive, high-profile cases. Uh, That was my last two years in the Army. I prosecuted 11 of the 12 uh, soldiers who were charged in that prison abuse. I came home to Michigan. I was an assistant Wayne County prosecutor for a little over a year, so I've done state prosecution, local prosecution here in the state of Michigan. I was recruited to go back to Washington, D.C. to be a human rights prosecutor. Based upon my experience with Abu Ghraib, I became a little bit of a torture expert in, uh, over the last uh, <laughs> decade. And so I prosecuted the son of the Liberian dictator, Charles Taylor, for torturing people to keep his father's regime in power. It's the only international torture case ever tried in U.S. federal district court. Mm. After that, I once again, I came home to Michigan with my family, 
And I've been here since 2009 in the U.S. Attorney's Office as an assistant United States attorney. The last five years, I've been the chief of the violent and organized crime unit of that office, where I've worked very closely with Barb McQuaid, with Chief James Craig, with Mayor Duggan, to really laser focus on the homicide issue here in the city of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, I helped to put together a strategy uh, that the federal partners could work with the state and locals. And we've been successful in dropping homicides and non-fatal shootings in the city of Detroit over the last five years by 30%. I think all of those experiences together, when you take a look at what the attorney general position actually is, which is the leader of one of the largest law firms in the state, 500 people, they're asked to tackle tough, difficult questions, put together coalitions in order to tackle those issues, and also on major investigations The next attorney general is going to be handling investigations, the continuation of the Flint water crisis, the MSU investigation, the investigation into the Catholic Church. I think I'm the only candidate in this race who's had the experience of actually handling those types of large, complex investigations. And I think my reputation and my work history shows I do it in an even-handed and fair manner. I think that's why I make a a good candidate for this position. Mm -hmm. And if you were to win, uh, what are the issues that you see in the office that uh, you might confront first, uh, things that you think are being done that maybe shouldn't be done or things that aren't be done, aren't being done um, that you should think should be done? What, what would your agenda look like? Well, I think the first agenda and my main focus right away would be to get the partisan politics out of the office. I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. um, I think that both parties have targeted this particular position of attorney general throughout the United States as being a way to advance their own party's political agendas. And what do I mean by that? I think we've seen that over the last eight years with Attorney General Schuette. Uh So they've taken the model back in the 90s, several uh, attorney generals across the nation banded together to sue the tobacco companies. And they were very successful in taking on the tobacco companies and Uh, obtaining settlements that helped the vast majority of people in their states. Unfortunately, the parties have taken that model and have devolved it into what's called the Republican Attorney General's Association and the Democrats Attorney General Association. The Republican Attorney General Association, which has led one of the leaders, is Bill Schuette, Mm -hmm. has decided they were going to band together to sue the federal government under the Obama administration for the Affordable Care Act, for EPA regulations, and they have systematically used the resources of the Office of Attorney Generals to do that, to try to thwart the other side politically. I didn't like it when Bill Schuette did it, and I don't like it if the Democrats want to do it. And unfortunately, the Democratic nominee currently has stated that is her goal, is to sue the Trump administration all day, every day. And the Democratic Attorney General's Association has already sued the federal government. I believe the last numbers I saw was 134 times. My question is, who's doing the work of the people then? The work of consumer protection, the work of trying to uh, work with local and state law enforcement to curb violent crime, to try to curb the opioid addiction and the trafficking, identity theft. These are complex investigations that take resources. Most local law enforcement agencies don't have those. So that's where the attorney general's office can step in, supplement those resources, and actually do work that benefits all the people as opposed to just a particular political party. Mm -hmm. So that would be my first thing. We would get out of all of those lawsuits. And I'll give you a a very concrete example is Proposition 2 is going to be on the ballot. Mm -hmm. And 
the Michigan Chamber of Commerce sued in order to try to keep that off of the ballot. This is the the redistricting initiative. That's correct. uh, Exactly. And uh, Bill Schuette's attorney general's office uh, weighed in with an amicus brief. What is the attorney general's office doing weighing in on that litigation? There should be no diversion of resources for that type of uh, political work. That's what that was. That was political work. And so that would be my first priority right off the bat. My second priority would be to travel around to every one of the counties in the state and have that realistic conversation with county executives, county prosecutors, sheriffs, local law enforcement. Where are the resource gaps? Where can we be of assistance in curbing some of these major issues? Using this office in a political way like the parties want to, that might be fine if Michigan wasn't on the top 10 list for violent cities for opioid addiction, for one of the top identity theft states. Once we get out of the top 10, top 20, if the parties want the office back to go ahead and sue each other, <laughs> have at it. But that's that's my priority. That's what I'd be looking to do. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My, my guest is Chris Gravelin. He is the independent candidate for attorney general. His name will appear on the November ballot. We are talking to him about his campaign, his decision to run as an independent, and what he would do if he should win in November. I should also note that uh, later this week, we are going to be speaking with Democratic nominee Dana Nessel uh, about the same thing, her run for state attorney general. We've also invited Republican Tom Leonard uh, to come join us and talk about his run for the office, but he has declined our invitation uh, between now uh, and the the election uh, despite multiple requests. Uh, If you have questions for Chris Gravelin, uh, what questions are they? Uh, What do you want to talk about in terms of an independent candidate for Michigan Attorney General running for that office? Uh, What do you think the next Attorney General's priorities should be? And what qualities do you look for in the people who run for that office every four years? as always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Um, uh, Chris, you mentioned uh, the Attorney General's office inserting itself into politically controversial issues, something we've seen it do a lot. Um, one issue, though, uh, that could come up soon, I think, uh, or that a lot of people are worried about coming up soon, is abortion and uh, um, uh, whether whether abortion sh- should continue to be legal uh, in in the United States, whether it shouldn't be. Is is that on the list of things that you think that the attorney general would? stay out of if you were elected? Uh, what would what would your position be in terms of filing amicus briefs, for instance, or joining lawsuits uh, to try to force uh, the federal government to change the way it, uh, it deals with those things? I think that's one of those issues that the attorney general's office should stay out of. So depending on what litigation happens, first of all, I, I think it's still years away from actually getting up to the Supreme Court. I mean, the way the a case Uh, progresses through the federal court system. It would take years in order to get there. So I think some of the uh, concern or hand-wringing over the last couple of weeks about 
Justice Kavanaugh mm-hmm. arrival on the Supreme Court and a case appearing in front of the Supreme Court t- tomorrow, I think that's a, a little overblown. It's going to take years to get there. It could. And I think this is one of those ones as well where you let the private parties litigate it and let the Supreme Court enunciate it. My view is the attorney general should be there to enforce the law. What's the law in place? Tell me what the law is, and that's what we're going to do. I've been a prosecutor for 20 years. Mm -hmm. No one once has come into my office and asked me my views about abortion, gun control, gun regulations, drug legalization, any of it. They've said, here's the facts, here's the law, and I go about doing it. And you would argue that your personal views on those things don't matter? That is correct. And, and so if I feel strongly enough about a particular law that I think needs to be changed, there's been times where I've had to go into court and argue for something that I personally did not find tasteful or the appropriate result, but that's the law. If I feel strongly enough that that law should not be in place, then I need to quit my job and go be a legislator or a congressperson or a governor, or run for president, or something. They're the ones who make the law. They're, mm-hmm. they're the ones who actually are the policymakers. And that's been one of my arguments to voters out when I've been campaigning. Regardless of your policy preferences, go elect your legislators, go elect the, the person you want to be governor. But if you want just someone who's going to take a nonpartisan, even handed approach at enforcing the law, no one's asking me to become the rule of one. And so that's my view on how the attorney general's office should be managed. So for instance, there was a real controversy over the Affordable Care Act when it was when it was passed. You had some states uh, defending the law, trying to take advantage of the things that it allowed states to do. You also had a lot of states join together to try to challenge the law. Do you think that that was inappropriate uh, because it was a political issue or was it also a legal issue? And and is it okay for an attorney general or a group of attorneys general to say, we just don't think the law should work this way and we would like to change it? You, where do you come down on the, that? I think that's a that's a political conversation. If you take a look at how those sides lined up, it was Republican and Democrat. That, that should be the tip-off right there. That wasn't a legal challenge. That was, we're going to take our political disagreements and we're going to turn them into lawsuits and we're going to sue each other. And so... Uh, no, if Congress enacts a law and the president signs it, that's the law. And, and the remedy for that is to elect different Congress people and a different president to change the law, not for an attorney general to then jump into the fray. My view is once the Affordable Care Act became law, then it was up to the states to try to implement that law in the smartest, most intelligent way possible that's the law. Mm-hmm. And if and if some private group wants to challenge the Affordable Care Act, let them have at it. But that's not the job of the attorney general's office. Otherwise, what we're doing is we're essentially turning the attorney general's office into the law firm for whatever political party wins. Sure. And in my mind, that's a bad use of taxpayer money. How how can you feel that if you're the if you're one of the people whose party is not in power at the time, that that person is actually representing you and your interests. I don't think you can. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET 
Facebook page. Put your comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. We've already got some folks queued up here. Let's get to Sean in Warren. Sean, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate your show. Sure. Uh, Mr. Gravelin, I really appreciate your apolitical stance and uh, wanting to make good use of the resources in our office. So you are definitely getting my vote and some word of mouth for me. But what I wanted to find out if you uh, are much interested in pursuing or have, uh, if there are tools that your office, I hope you get your office, uh, can use would be about human trafficking. I work for Henry Ford, one of our ER nurses, actually nurse practitioner, I think, has a great presentation on how severe the problem is nationwide, but in especially in Michigan as well. Hmm. Uh, a- absolutely, Sean. Sean, thanks very much for the call and uh, the questions. Go ahead, uh, Chris. Absolutely, Sean. So I've, like I mentioned before, I've, I've been heavily involved with organized crime and violent crime over the last five to six years here in the city of Detroit, and I'm acutely aware of the human trafficking problem. It is a problem, and it's one that I think the Attorney General has a significant role in because it stretches across county lines. It, sometimes it stretches across state lines, and so it's one that we would absolutely be focused on. We would definitely maintain the resources that Bill Schuette has put on that issue, and I'd be looking to see if we needed to supplement that as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, Sean, thanks very much for the call and the questions. Let's go to uh, Kara in Armada. Kara, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. Um, I am currently working on the front lines in uh, Oakland County Jail, and I just was curious about the nonpartisan stance on the intersection of the mentally ill folks that are in the uh, jails and our corrections population. You know, there's laws on the books, Kevin's Law, Assistive Outpatient, that really are not being utilized and are under... um, Underknown, they're not taught. So, just kind of your stance on that, and maybe your thoughts. Hmm. Thanks very much, Kara, for the question. I, I agree that. So, I, I was a prosecutor in Wayne County uh, in 2006 and 2007, and so I saw firsthand when we shut some of the mental health institutions that we have that that had a very bad effect of dumping certain people into the criminal justice system. And so, we as a state have to tackle that mm-hmm. absolutely. And so, I. 100% agree that the underutilized laws should be used, but we also, as a state, need to start taking a look at, do we need additional safeguards to help the mentally ill to stay out of the criminal justice system? And so when I say I have an apolitical point of view, that doesn't mean I, I'm opposed to going up and advocating in front of the legislature for changes to the law that I think are appropriate. But at the same time, that's my role, is to go up and lobby the legislature, not to necessarily impose it myself. Do you think there are things that the state attorney general can be doing to, I don't know, ameliorate the the effects of uh, this this tension that we have between mental health and criminality and the way that the criminal justice system deals with it? Well, I think just as Kara pointed out, there are some laws on the books that are being underutilized. And I've, I've had a track record in the last several years at the U.S. Attorney's Office at taking a look at, let's break open the statute book. Let's be creative on how we actually do this. There are tools out there that just aren't being used. Too often, I think uh, lawyers fall into the trap of using what's familiar to you. And so uh, in terms of prosecutor's offices, you take a look at, let's say, a crime, and we always charge this. So that's what we charge, and, and we go ahead and prosecute that crime. But there's other crimes that might be more effective at actually addressing the problem. My big position as a prosecutor was always, we're problem solvers. 
We're not here just to prosecute this crime. My job is to make that neighborhood safe, whether that's Northwest Detroit, Southwest Detroit. My job is to make that safe. So take a broader view of what you're actually trying to accomplish as opposed to just prosecuting this one crime. I think we can bring that same type of vision when you're talking about the mentally ill and the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. How do we solve this problem? Not just a one-off here or there. We need to look at a systemic solution to this issue. Yeah, yeah. Kara, thanks very much for the call. And the question is, let's go to Robert in Detroit. Robert, welcome to Detroit today. Hi. Um, I'm just kind of curious. Um, when you mentioned that um, there was some inappropriate use of funds uh, for uh, going after Proposal 2, as Attorney General, um, as a State Attorney General, would you uh, go after um, Mr. Schutte for doing that? No, I, I mean, I think that's those types of things that just continue to foster the political divide in our country. So when, when you talk about, um, I think it's an inappropriate use of the resources, but that, that's a philosophical view of this particular attorney, you know, attorney general's office. To be quite honest, it's both political parties. It's not just Mr. Schuette. Um Ms. Nessel has already articulated this. Multiple people have asked me, why are you running and... I really think this is a philosophical debate we need to have as a state. How do you want these resources used? If, if you want you, your party to have a paid law firm in Lansing, then you're going to have your candidates to choose from. Mm-hmm. If you want an office that actually tries to serve all of the people, and, and the example I point to all the time is Frank Kelly. Prior to term limits, Frank Kelly held this position for 36 years, and I think you could tell by his actions he was working for as many of the people of the state of Michigan as possible. I know he was a Democrat, but at the same time, it was not an overtly political position at the time. Yeah. The two parties have taken a starkly different view of this, and that's what I'm trying to return to the office. Uh, quickly, before we have to break, uh, line five, would you go farther than uh, officials have gone and what uh, Enbridge has announced recently? Uh, bearing this new section of pipeline underneath uh, the bedrock, uh, what would what would your response be? Well, I think uh, whatever whoever the next attorney general is is going to have to work with the governor, whoever gets elected governor, to really implement what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I know there's been a deal struck last week. It'll uh, be remain to be seen whether it's finalized and completed before January first. You know, and before if it's still on the table for the next governor. I know a lot of people point to the attorney general and say, well, you could revoke the easement. I think that's uh, way too easy of a soundbite. There's federal legislation that also governs there. I think as soon as you uh, would take that step of trying to remove the easement, it would end up in federal court very quickly. Um, so that's not an easy answer to say, well, we, we'll shut it down tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That, that's a soundbite. That's not going to be a solution on this. Whoever the next attorney general is, is going to have to work very closely with whoever the next governor is, and that's going to be the solution on line five. We clearly have to do something. We cannot just leave this pipeline exposed on the bottom of the Straits of Mackinac. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think that's necessarily just going to be the purview of the attorney general to work on. Okay. Chris Gravelin, independent candidate for attorney general. Thanks very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. Thank you. 
Up next, we are going to talk a little more about the opioid crisis. Chris Gravelin mentioned it in his remarks about the attorney general's office. We're going to talk about numbers that suggest how deep we are into that crisis and how far we are from solution. Also, don't forget, if you miss any of today's conversation, you don't have to miss out entirely. Go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Thank you.